covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley, kind of unofficially calling this the playoff preview edition. Uh, we're, we're recording on Sunday nights, and we always record on Sunday nights if you are a regular listener to the podcast. So that puts us in a little bit of an odd situation. I mention this fairly often, that when we do the podcast, we do try to make uh, the content as maybe evergreen as possible that, uh, you know, people listen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, it's a, it's, we see the podcast numbers and the listens go up throughout the course of the week. So the idea is what we talk about on a Sunday night is more big picture sort of stuff. Well, we mentioned this last week and it's even more so true this week. We're in a situation right now where if you are listening to this, maybe Sunday night or early Monday morning, uh, the Brewers have not yet played their game against the Cubs. If you're listening on, say, Monday night, they've played against the Cubs. You know if they're going to the wild card game or if they're going to the divisional series. If you're listening on Tuesday and they're in the wild card game, you know you get the idea. So here's what podcast is going to be a little bit different this week. The bulk of the podcast is going to be a conversation that I'm going to have with uh, Jim Goulart in just a few moments. So we're going to really make that the uh, the bulk and the guts of the podcast today as we do talk about some some big picture stuff, but we do talk about some issues as well, like the, the starting pitcher potentially uh, for, the, for the game against the Cubs. And if you're listening to this after that game has been played, I guess you just get to see whether or not we knew what we were talking about or not uh, going into that. But uh, certainly an odd time to be doing it, but man, a great time, an absolutely great time, and uh, it's going to be fun to talk Brewers baseball. Let's get our housekeeping items out of the way, as we always do. If you listen on Apple Podcast, would love for you to subscribe. Would also love for you to leave a ranking and review. If you do want to uh, get at me, you can do so by uh, tweeting at me, at Matt Pauly on air. You can also always drop me an email, matt.pauly at wtmj.com. What a fantastic final week of the regular season. I guess technically game 163 is also part of the regular season. But what a final, uh, fantastic final week of the 162-game portion of the regular season as the Brewers go to St. Louis and sweep. They sweep against the Tigers. They're seemingly hitting on all cylinders here at the moment. It was just... It was just so much fun to watch what this team has been able to do, watch Christian Yelich do things that are just seemingly ungodly, uh, the way that Craig Council has been able to manage the pitching. Uh, a lot of a lot of incredible things happened over the course of the past week, and I think the Brewers are playing their best baseball at the exact right time, following their 11 nothing uh, win over the Tigers on Sunday. They had won seven straight, 10 of their last 12, outscoring their opponents 79-34 during that span as they were able to get to a season-high 28 games over 500. They are tied after a Sunday with the 1972 and the 1982 uh, editions of the Brewers in terms of uh, win total, and uh, it's just 
it's just really a, a special season that they've been able to uh, put together this year and has absolutely been a lot of fun. By the way, that's 79 and 82. That's the second most wins uh, in franchise history. So uh, it, it's been fun. It's this team. Look, they're they're tied with the Cubs as of Sunday night for the best record in the National League. Nobody's talking about this Brewers team as a legit World Series contender. They are. I don't know if they're going to get there or not. To me, you look at the, the, the National League teams, the Cubs are really good. The Dodgers are I, – I, st- I still think the Dodgers might have the best roster. This is, National League's wide open is what I'm trying to say. And I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to all get started later on this week. There's going to be tough, tough, tough decisions to make on the playoff roster as well. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure to enjoy it. And hopefully next week when we're doing the show, we're still talking about Brewers baseball in the playoffs. All right, let's uh, move forward. Let's get to it. It's time for our social media conversation as we're going to welcome in Jim Goulart here in just a moment. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Our playoff preview edition is continuing on. It is time for our social media conversation. Happy to welcome on uh, one of our favorite guests. He is uh, Jim Goulart. You know him on Twitter as uh, at Mass underscore Haas. Uh, Jim, you're somebody who is so aware of the history of this Brewers organization and you have lived and died uh, with so much of it. What does it mean for for a guy like you to watch not just the Brewers claim a, a postseason berth and we're talking on Sunday night we don't I know a lot of people listening right now already know the result of Monday's game as we're talking we don't know the result but win or lose on Monday the Brewers are a postseason team. How much have you just been able to kind of sit back and enjoy the culmination of a really good week or the culmination of a really good season with a spectacular last week that the Brewers have had? Truly spectacular last week. And it just, I think in the big picture, um, as as baseball fans, but not just that, but as people go through life, whether it's through, you know, as, as parents, as, as you know, just as time goes on, to think that it's been seven years since 2011, and my goodness, you look up and go, wow, it's, it's been seven years, so to enjoy this particular week, this particular season, um, tremendous, tremendous experience, and uh, just, it's been uh, Really, for them to finish up the way they have, and you, it doesn't even make you think you look back. I was thinking back to say, oh, here we go with one game again. You know, if it was just one game, we wouldn't be dealing with uh, the Monday uh, tiebreaker game, and, and we'd be all set up for the division ch- title. So I say, oh, the J.J. Hoover game, April, or something like that. But you can't even do that. You can't say, when you win your entire final stretch of games and to come to, to get to this point and force the tiebreaker and the Cubs certainly didn't give anything in this last stretch um, except thankfully for Saturday's game it's just you, you, no complaints just complete sheer appreciation for what has happened really since February but technically from from the first week of April what a ride 
this team found a different gear down the stretch, and not, not so much against the Tigers. I mean, they did find it, they, but the Tigers did not provide as much opposition as maybe other teams did. The Brewers, they deserve credit, the Brewers do, for coming in and taking care of business in this final weekend. Sure especially Friday and Saturday, though, Matt. Yeah, they, they were down, and they had to find a way to get the wins, but I think we all would have, if the Brewers would have lost any of those games against the Tigers, I think it generally would have been felt as a, as a major disappointment, a game they shouldn't have lost. I'm more focused in on that Cardinals series, where the Cardinals still had a ton to play for. The Cardinals had a lot more to play for against the Brewers than they did against the Cubs, and they found a way to beat the Cubs once. They didn't find a way to beat the Brewers once, uh, and I, I just thought that that Cardinal series sweeping through them in St. Louis, to me, that's that's an incredible moment for this team, and I think it says a lot about the way they're being they're, they're playing down the stretch. And let's not overlook going into Pittsburgh and taking two out of three there. Um, that was huge in terms of that setting up this whole final week as well. So you're absolutely right. It's just there's not a Brewer fan out there that can possibly have asked for more over this past week and a half, two weeks, several months actually. But my goodness, um, they found a way in just you you never felt like they were going to disappoint and they didn't they they came through each and every night during this last stretch they finished tied and they've got one more what's technically a regular season game but they finished the the 162 game board portion of the schedule i guess you could call it tied for the best record in the national league 95 and 67 i know sometimes i feel like people don't realize how good they've been in comparison to the rest of the league because they've always been right up against the Cubs. But it's not just that they're tied for the Cubs for the division lead. They're tied with the Cubs for the best record in the National League, and they've they've done it in in a very interesting way, adding players, doing things outside the box. It's just, to me, I, I've used the word remarkable so many times over the course of the past two weeks, but I'm going to use it again. Just there's been so many ebbs and flows and really so many chapters to this season, and, and things have gone different ways and, and at different times. But when all is said and done, at the end of 162 games, nobody in the National League has more wins than them. That is indeed remarkable. It's, it, it really is. And the manipulation for all of us who feel like, you know, we're going to complain about the, the, the 40-man roster and the Doug Melvin rule, and, and but who took advantage of that more than the Brewers in a wonderful way with contributions up and down? This, I guess would you call it the 38-man roster because that's how many guys they have in the dugout and in the in the bullpen, it's um, been a master manipulation by Craig Council. The August 31st acquisitions, never mind the July ones from David Stearns, uh, just unbelievable contributions up and down the roster. Really, I mean, I guess I could give it a little more thought, but who is truly disappointed in the last, six to eight weeks, I mean, and just in a way where you go, oh my goodness, just a, he just didn't contribute down the stretch at all. It's hard to find those names, and um, we're all the better for enjoying this, this great ride, and I think that's why fans have fallen in love with this team in such a way. Hard not to do, of course, with the one-loss record, but just also so likable, no missteps off the field. It's been um, an amazing, amazing joyous run and um we just need to see one victory over the next two days hopefully tomorrow and uh, i don't even think we, we want to 
consider the possibility of, of back-to-back losses these next two days because I don't know how I would personally uh, not cope with that, cope with it, but I would be just left so flat. So let, let's see what happens here. What I'm about to say, I've, I've repeated over and over, I think on this podcast and also on my post-game show, so I'm sure many people know exactly where I'm going with this, but I want to get your take on it. You, you mentioned the, the August 31st guys, the, the three guys that they go get in uh, Xavier Cedeno, uh, Curtis Granderson, and Gio Gonzalez. Those are, all, those are all guys who have really contributed to this team, but what's amazing to me about that is the three players who came off the 40-man roster. They replaced Jake Thompson, Aaron Brooks, and Ariel Hernandez. With all due respect to those three guys, that's that's an incredible depth increase when you're taking the three guys in and who is going away. Yeah, Aaron Brooks found himself, uh, you know, the, the athletics, good for him. Uh, he may get... Um, you know, playoff pool money because he saw some major league time in September with them. Um, so the A's showed some interest. The Brewers were able to accommodate. Uh, good for Aaron Brooks, but you're absolutely right. Um, the other two players uh, were not lost, so to speak, although um, I believe they both qualify for minor league free agency now at the end of the year. I guess that says something about uh, just the manipulation of the 40-man throughout the year that uh, – there was room. And, and the other thing I'll say about the guys, too, um, I, I know it was analyzed back at the time of those trades, but the Brewers, did, I'm, I'm comfortable with every single minor league prospect that was dealt uh, during this whole July and August 31st process. There's, an, um, there's not one farmhand where I go, oh, my goodness, that one really hurt. And, I look, I you know me from the minor league side over at Brewer Fan root for these guys, um, appreciate all their efforts, but my goodness, uh, there's just not one there that you go, wow, I can't believe we only got, uh, you know, five or six outings out of Gio Gonzalez because of, of what we gave up to, uh, it, it just, no, it, this was master, master work by David Stearns, and, and we shouldn't be surprised by that at all. Well, what I like about that is, and, and I think you're totally right, and let, I'll see if you agree with this or not, but I want to add on to what you just said. For me, there were some guys that went away that that I liked. You know, There, there were some nice minor leaguers that might get to the big leagues, might be good players that I liked, but when I saw these guys go, I could go bring up the, the MLB Pipeline Top 30 list and I could find another guy like them at basically around the same level that they were at. So I felt like when David Stearns moved these guys, for the most part, there was always, you know, they were they were kind of players that there was somebody like them in the system at the same level. So you yeah, you lost depth but you didn't lose like like positioning in terms of the positioning coming up through the system. Do you, do you kind of understand where I'm going with on that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, that speaks to one of the thing quotes that I really appreciated this this weekend was was David Stearns talking about. Uh, I guess it was actually when they yeah when they clinched the actual playoff spot uh, at midweek, but when David Stearns talked about the team of people in the organization all around the world. And you started to think about it, and absolutely, from any from the people that 
you know, are in the Dominican Academy, through the overseas folks, but just up and down throughout the contributions that people had to make to get the organization to where they are now. Um, that was a, a comment that I really appreciated, and it, it rang true. It rang true. It rang like this for all the um, joys that hopefully the next few weeks will bring. There's a lot of people that you know are deserving of reaping the benefits, and uh, really just the astounding pride they must have in in getting to to this point. Um, good for us Brewer fans. Good good for the organization. What Christian Yelich has done in September is is amazing, and I I don't I don't have much of a doubt that he's going to win the MVP. I don't think anybody should have a doubt. It would be just an upset beyond upsets if somebody other than Christian Yelich ends up winning the National League MVP. And a lot of people are saying not only is this the best season this year in the National League, that maybe Yelich is putting together the best season in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers organization. And, you know, Robin Yount, a former MVP, and Ryan Braun, a former MVP, have uh, both given their nods to Christian Yelich and the season he's putting together. What say you in terms of Yelich's season and where that ranks in terms of best seasons all time in Brewers history? Yeah, I, I'm old enough to now. Now remember, it was pre-internet, and so a lot of my fandom in my early days, because I, I'm not Wisconsin-based, um, was through you know the sporting news, and because the Brewers were in the American League East at those days, at least you know for me and a lot of people know I'm a, a Massachusetts resident, and um, I, I shared my story in my very first you know podcast visit with you, how I had this random association at like nine years old with the Brewers, and it kind of it just morphed into this um, wonderful, um, you could call it obsession, but wonderful joyride ever since. So really, um, you know, 40-plus years of, of following this, um, all I know is, is that Mr. Molitor and Mr. Yount had some tremendous, tremendous seasons that um, maybe in the, in the shadow of, of the lack of social media in those days, what would the social media buzz have been? For Robin Yount in 1982, and, and for Paul Molitor, and uh, you know whatever it was, his 240 hit season. Um, it was. It, it's it's a little different now because we're all just able to chime in and see the national pundits chime in with their comments on, on Yelich's amazing, amazing work. And certainly it has been. Um, let's not discredit that at all. I just think that we need to consider. Um, that the Brewers have been blessed with some great individual performances, particularly in that wonderful run. I mean, I still look fondly back at, at Mike Caldwell's work, in, you know, in 1978 and beyond with complete games and things like that. It's a different time. And some of the things that even some of the um, you know, guys like that did back then were, uh, were amazing. But that being said, uh, Christian Yelich, and I, I think they, the, the Marlins could have asked for double the prospects, mm-hmm. and David Stearns would have found a way to sweeten the deal over and over again. The contract, the situation, the player, I, I don't think he saw this in terms of Stearns and, and Yelich, but they knew, they knew, and they just weren't going to stop until the Marlins um, – gave in they did and my goodness what a what a benefit 
By the way, you mentioned your first conversation. You had me curious as to when that was. If anybody wants to hear Jim Goulart's first appearance on Brewers X Journeys, the podcast, you can go back in the archives. Episode number four on uh, February 27th of 2017. This episode that we're doing right now is episode number 85. So we've done a few since then, Jim. We have, and I've enjoyed every one. Um, I have enjoyed... Uh, your efforts throughout my year, I know you're on like triple overtime, <laughs> overlay, uh, bonus time, as are a lot of the media, um, but your expanded coverage this week's been appreciated, and uh, it's been you labor of love, I suppose. I, I hope it's built into your, uh, your, your overtime salary and such as well, but um, yeah, it's, it's been fun, and these podcasts... Uh, they fill a lot of time with my commute and everything else, and uh, you do a great job with them. Thanks. I appreciate that, Jim. It's, uh, it is absolutely a blast doing this. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this next question because, again, I know that a lot of people are going to be listening to uh, this podcast after the Monday game between uh, the Brewers and the Cubs, game 163. But this was the biggest topic of conversation on my Brewers extra innings postgame show after Sunday's game. So it's not uh, right to just uh, ignore it because we don't know what's going to happen. Starting pitcher on, uh, on, uh, on Monday, who would you go with? Wow. I would go. <laughs> you can tell I haven't. You can tell I've kind of given this a thought, but not really. It's um, if if Junior Guerra hadn't pitched today, I might have leaned towards him for that first couple of innings. The fact that there's going to be all hands on deck, I think the temptation is going to be how quickly do we see. Uh, Josh Hader, because I know Craig Council is just going to overlook, you know, two of his last few outings here. Um, I'm kind of dodging the question a little bit, Matt. My goodness. Um, well, let me hear. I'll, let me. You can you can listen to me for a second and then comment on what I'm about to say because yeah, I I please, think I might help, help me out here. Well, well, I think I might have a little bit of a different take on it because I think Craig Council values. Tuesday's potential game more than he values Monday's game. Not that Monday's game isn't important. It clearly is important. Getting to the NLDS, getting to a series, avoiding a wild card game, all that is very important. It's not that I'm saying one is important, one's not. But your season can end on Tuesday. Your season right. can't end on Monday. So I think I don't think Yuli Shasin is going to pitch on Monday. I, I I'm I'm almost I will be really really surprised if Shasin pitches on Monday. And I agree with that. I think you do hold him for that potential game that could end your season because if if he goes out and pitches really well against the Cubs, but you still end up losing and you go into that wild card game, you're kind of in a world of hurt at that point. I would. If I'm making the decisions, I would consider sort of the same situation they had in that game in St. Louis where they started Jennings and then went to Peralta after that. I right. I like the idea of Peralta. I don't love the idea of Peralta being the first guy out there because it seems like sometimes he, he struggles right at the start of a game. So it people call that game a bullpen game when Jen- Jennings started. That wasn't a bullpen game. Freddie Peralta started that game. He just didn't face mm-hmm. this first pitcher. That That's all it was. I, I would handle it that way. I would go Peralta for most of the game, but maybe start a bullpen guy, whether it's the first batter, the first inning, whatever it might be. But then I hand the ball to Freddie Peralta. 
Yeah, appreciate your insights on that, too. And that's why I was kind of holding off on even mentioning Shafin myself, and then I'm trying to piece together the, the whole situation. And you're right. I mean, I don't think we're going to see some of the high-leverage guys, obviously, based on the situation. It's not going to be a total avoidance. You're right about Tuesday. The benefits are so great to try to get to, but they're not as great as they were. They were the benefits were great to getting to the division title in a Thursday start. Um, particularly if you could have somehow wrapped it up on Sunday. Now it's really, you're gonna, you know you're going to play Monday. Even if you win the division on Monday, it's two days off to prepare, not three days off. Um, if you're going to play the Cubs again, which is a potential um, situation, you're still going to see Quintana probably in game two of the series, um, which would be Friday, or no, probably be Saturday, uh, Sunday, I guess it would be. So game three, um, you're only going to see him once in the series. I'm, I'm already, the mind is racing already, because I'm already putting the Cubs past whoever the Rockies, Dodgers loser is. Um, it's just going to be this madness over the next week, and I know a lot of your, your podcast listeners are, are tuning into us, maybe thinking, well, I've already heard the, the Monday game, so what fun is it to, to try to analyze all this, but it is. You can't help but analyze it every moment as it happens uh, until it really just wraps up. And, and we'll be sitting here at midnight Tuesday night, and we'll have a clear sense of having for the season's over, or wow, we, we're playing Thursday, and, and this is who we're playing, and this is where we're playing. So, so much to be determined. It is the the podcast in flux, no doubt. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Are you comfortable are you comfortable with an idea, uh, the the idea of going into an NLDS series where your three starters are Yolish Chassin, Wade Miley, and Gio Gonzalez? Yeah, I, I am because they'll find a way to, um, you know, you, you, they'll find a way to make it work. Otherwise, because they have the three guys in, in Brandon Woodruff, who I think will be on a 25-man uh, playoff roster, uh, Junior Guerra, um, you, you're going to see some odd, maybe surprising choices in, in, once the 25-man roster needs to be named. Um, I know that the wild card game roster will differ from the NLDS roster. That NLDS roster, um, just to get past the potential game four and, and the short starts, you may see some of the traditional short guys not be on the roster. The guys that can't give you more than an inning or so, um, you're going to be able to include more bullpen guys. And, you know, my goodness, is, is it possible that a Chase Anderson or something doesn't even make the 25 man? Um, it, it's something that we're all going to have to wrap our heads around and, and follow. And I, I think it's fair to analyze um, from all kinds of perspectives. But this is going to be interesting, but I do feel comfortable. Chassin, uh, Miley, uh, that wasn't a horrible effort by him the other day, but they had to make the choice to pull him early, which was understandable, against the Tigers. And and Gio, boy, we, he's, we've been holding our breath too often on some of these fly balls. So the, he's got the warning track fly ball down <laughs> pat right now. He does. Oh, my goodness. And, um, you know, still walking a bit too many, but you can't argue with you know, five innings and, and zero runs, as was the case today. And 
when you look back at his postseason experience, it, it really hasn't been all that that stellar. He's had the opportunities, but um, so he's been there, done that, but not necessarily particularly deep or well into games. But there is no stud um, beyond what we see. So they, these are the guys that get you 95 wins. These are the guys that will get you through playoff series. Something that frustrates me, a lot of things frustrate me. You don't go through an entire season of hosting post-game shows when a team is winning without get, getting frustrated about stuff. Uh, but something that's frustrated me is the Brewers are a really good team that, as mentioned, have the most wins in the National League at 95. And there's a contingent of people that want to completely reinvent the wheel for the postseason. Start Josh Hader, start Jeremy Jeffress, do this, do that, you know. And it's, it, to me, it's, you know, you got to, I always use the, the cliche of, you know, you got to dance with the girl that you took to the prom. And there are certain things the Brewers did during the year. There are certain things they didn't. I heard somebody make a reference. I had a caller on, on Brewers x and say, uh, you can uh, start uh, a Chassin and maybe get three innings out of them and then bring them back for the NLDS game one on short rest. And Chassin hasn't pitched on short rest. Why would you ever do something with somebody that you've never done during the course of the season? I guess that's... I I just I'm throwing this out there. What is it about the postseason that people go wacky wanting the Brewers to do things that they've never done before? Uh, well, Jimmy Nelson's not walking through that door, <laughs> um, so that's one. And we can all look forward to 2019, and that's the topic for an off-season uh, discussion for sure of what those expectations will be. Um, you know, maybe it was because Tony Larusa. In 2011, he didn't. We didn't see that bullpenning from him until, quite literally, the the postseason. That wasn't something I don't believe that was a big part of the Cardinals' final push there to to just sneak in, which they did, unfortunately, as we know. And then all of a sudden, it's these. Um, you know, I I think it was even pointed out during the the Brian Anderson Eric Karros broadcast this this weekend was that no cardinal starter went went longer than five innings and i think even then it was only one um, that made it to the full five during that um nlcs against the, the brewers and um, if, if not the, the whole entirety of, of the cardinals postseason run that year so i think you can change on the fly a little bit but the, the extremes that you're going to hear on the occasional uh, post-game call um, yes, yeah, some of them are going to make you raise your eyebrow, and you know you just don't. We're going to see somebody pitch on three games rest, uh, three days rest, somewhere in this postseason run if it's deep enough. But it won't be. It'll be by absolute last minute necessity, not because of a, a, a piece together plan. And you can guarantee that um, not only have the Brewers been challenged with their advanced scouting. I mean, my goodness, when you think about they have a, a very short amount of time to crunch advanced scouting on potentially, you know, the Rockies and Dodgers, and of course, uh, last-minute things and the most recent stuff with the Cubs. But you're not going to see anything overly drastic, except I think so you're going to see these creative roster dis- decisions being made, and um, that'll be fun to dive into once they're announced. Yeah, it's... 
we, we probably don't have the time to get into it, but it's going to be really interesting. You know, I at one point this week I was thinking it's probably going to come down to maybe either a Domingo Santana or Jonathan Scope. Santana had the hot hand, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, okay, Scope might not make this 20, this playoff roster when it needs to be cut down. Scope has the big game the other day. There's going to be so many tough decisions. It's going to be fluid. I think uh, as they continue to move through rounds, there's going to be changes made on the roster. But it's it's uh, we don't have time to talk about. The, the roster moves because we're talking about you know of the 38 guys that are on the roster right now you can probably make a case for what 32 of them that uh, that they have a that they should be on the the, the postseason roster and there's going to be 25 there's going to be some very deserving individuals that don't make it on to a playoff roster there's going to be some disappointed guys in that locker room um i guess we'll start with um well, I guess Matt Albers won't be on the 25. Let's start with it. We start there with one decision. Not, not to rag on poor Matt, but um, yeah, it's going to be um, really uniquely tight. And, and guys will be disappointed. They'll still get their uh, postseason shares, which I think is overlooked. Um, people, um, we need to kind of just just Google last 2017 postseason shares. And it's it can be really significant once you get to the NLDS and beyond, to the point where the Brewers have so many pre-arbitration guys that literally could nearly double their salaries just by a, a deep run. This this run, of course, it's all about the ring and the camaraderie that, that this run brings. But there is significant life-changing um, type money for some of these guys who are going to be part of this. Um, this run that you know might not have the guys that might not have five or six year careers. Um, there's there's stakes in this for everybody. Of course, the biggest being the actual uh, championship and, and ring at stake. And there's guys outside the organization. I would assume that a a Brett Phillips and a Jorge Lopez would probably be voted a share as well. Exactly. So, um, yeah. What was it? Fifty plus. Uh, it just the numbers were were uh, just the amazing amount of roster numbers overall, and there's guys that you know, like I, I, I mentioned in jest earlier, the JJ Hoovers in the world. Those guys get rings, <laughs> they do. Um, at the end of the year, and of course the shares are voted on. That's a little differently, and, and a lot of them will get partial shares. The guys that appear in just a, you know the Nick Franklins of the world, but over, in the big picture, um, the especially these younger, uh, like I said, pre-R players. This is significant for them. Um, I don't think it's in the forefront of their minds um, right now. I think, obviously, it's all about um, the game on the field. But uh, in the big picture, yeah, don't overlook that aspect of things, too. Yeah, I'm looking at the the value of the shares last year for the – and it goes down, as you mentioned, it goes down based off how much you uh, – how far you went. But the pool for the Houston Astros – was just about four hundred and thirty-nine thousand. They did sixty shares, so that means I'm doing math right now. This is uh, this is let's see, four hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars divided by sixty. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, is that over? That's a lot of money. I don't know. I, I'm I'm having issues with it. But the bottom line is, it's a whole lot of money that these guys get. It is, and 
it, not to mention the revenue for the team from from additional home games is huge. As it looks as we as we look into the two nights. 2019 payroll and beyond, um, the season ticket base. They've done a lot this year to not only entertain and and lock in a fantastic 2018 season, but this success will absolutely build on itself for the next couple of years minimum. Um, We've seen how quickly it can dry up in the case of the Royals. Um, The Royals were a unique situation in which all their top players became free agents at the very same time. It looks like there's enough of a stagger in in talent base on on this club that that won't be a significant issue in three or four years, which means, you know, this could could easily become a a five- or six-year run, especially when you've got Mr. Yelich locked in for the next four years. you know, just just to build on him alone, well, Yelich and Kane. So, my goodness, it's um, really we should be having the same or similar conversation uh, for the next several Octobers, Matt, which is wonderful. All right, not not only did I struggle with math, I struggled with reading. Let just real quick, I'll go through this. Uh, for the wild card runners up last year, uh, they made about nineteen thousand per share. The division series runners up, depending on the team, made between thirty six and forty thousand. Uh, league championship series runner ups made uh, between one hundred thirty five and one hundred forty thousand per share. The Dodgers, as National League champions, got about two hundred and sixty thousand dollars per share, and the World Series champion Houston Astros, uh, they got about $438,000 per share. So big time money. Okay, so yep. it's, you get to the World Series for really life-altering money. Um, that that makes it worth it. Um, the other pieces maybe weren't to the, the exaggerated point that I might have made, but it's, it's, it's still something. And um, there's a reason those guys are dogpiling and jumping at the end <laughs> of the game, and uh, part of it is their wallet. So yeah. we'll just keep that in mind as well. Uh, well let me finish you off with this. This is this is a Brewers team that, from a national standpoint, nobody is talking about as being really a a National League championship contender, a team that can get to the World Series. By the numbers, as we've mentioned multiple times in this interview, Jim, they are tied for the most wins in the National League. By mm-hmm. definition, w- they should be talked about as a legit contender to be National League champions. As you go, as you get ready to consume this postseason run that's about to get started, what do you feel like their their ceiling is? Well, I mean, we'll have to introduce the ESPN guys to them on Monday. I guess they're the carriers on the games because they never did make it to Sunday Night Baseball, did they? No, um, not once, not once. And that's part of this. That is absolutely part of this. That there's a. The stigma of well, they're the Brewers, and well, guess what? That they very good shot of being the number one seed, home field throughout, um, roof Miller Park roof throughout, Miller Park noise. Um, so, if the national fan base hasn't appreciated that in some time, certainly not since 2011, um, they have a chance to expose the national fan base, a national audience. Uh, to that over a several-week period, and at that time, let's just hope that all the pundits and everybody else uh, grant them their due, not just Mr. Yelich and Kane, but top to bottom, um, because these guys have been absolutely incredible, and people talk about the strength of the American League. Well, 
you know, five teams aren't going to be representing the American League World Series in the World Series. Only one is. You don't have to beat five American League teams. You only have to beat one. And it is doable. It's realistic. It is just, let's just say the Brewers have a chance to really put the nation um, on its head with um, what could happen over the next couple of weeks. We have to get past Monday and Tuesday. But once we do, um, this team has a chance to really just have all those folks who now have their voice because of social media and the athletic and just all these new portals to knowledge and insight available on a national scale to really tout this team for what could be an incredibly magic ride. One, uh, there's a lot of people who are uh, hopping on the bandwagon has a negative connotation. I don't mean it in a negative way. So if anybody mm-hmm. takes it negatively, I'm not saying this in a negative way. I th- if you're just finding the Brewers, if you're just finding baseball, if you're just starting committing to the team, that's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's it's great to to get invested with a team as they go on a run the way they did right now, and I think it's it, it's fun to see more and more people learn about this team and everything. So I, I say all that to say this: if you are indeed kind of one of those people that's getting onto this Brewers bandwagon, uh, a great community is the community over at BrewerFan.net, and it's an opportunity to have uh, fun conversation, fun debate uh, with other Brewers fans, and really dive in and, and get engaged with what's going on uh, at the big league team and throughout the organization. Uh, Jim, obviously, you're very involved over there. Give a pitch for everything going on over at BrewerFan.net, especially for maybe people who are listening to this podcast right now that are just starting to maybe fall in love with the Brewers. Yep, sure. Um, BrewerFan, yeah, <laughs> BrewerFan.net has been around about 20 years now, and it's really become the um, place for Brewer um, discussion on just any, my goodness, I don't think there is a, a breadth or a width of discussion that is missed because uh, once you are on board, you can establish the topic, you can start up, kick off a thread, and it'll take on the life that it deserves. So in other words, there's something for everyone in terms of uh, what topic, you know, just you should visit our, our major league forum right now, which is obviously the hot form at the the moment, Um, just the topics that highlight the threads will give you a sense of, yeah, I want to just go in and spend a few minutes reading or posting discussion on, you know, this particular topic, and uh, it's it's soup to nuts right now, and it's just an energized uh, fan board that's moderated and uh, will be a, a, it's just a great place where even if you're just spending a few minutes browsing the comments of others, we love having you there, and uh, enjoy your time there because it's, uh, it's such an exciting time to be following this baseball team. Absolutely. Jim, appreciate it. People can follow you on Twitter again, uh, at Mass underscore Haas. That's M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Uh, always enjoy our conversations, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll get another one in before the Brewers are done playing, depending on what happens. But uh, either way, thank you so much for your time as always. Matt, as always, thank you, sir, and uh, we'll be in touch. Jim Goulart joining us here on Brewers Extra Ends, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to end this edition. A little bit of a shortened, different-feeling version of the podcast this week. 
Again, we're, we kind of call it a playoff preview because we're looking forward to the playoffs, but in the same sense, uh, as we talk on Sunday night, don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 14 hours from when I'm recording here at the moment when the Brewers and the Cubs get going at Wrigley Field coming up on uh, Monday afternoon. And there's a pretty good chance you're listening to this right now and you already know the result of that. So uh, we did a little bit different this week uh, depending on where things are and what the playoffs look like uh, at this time and next week. We'll try to get back into our little more normal uh, format here on the program. But definitely appreciate Jim Goulart joining us. Uh, as always, that was a fun conversation. Don't forget, you can hear all the action of Brewers Playoff Baseball on WTMJ. You can hear every moment of it. Uh, there's uh, If the Packers are playing the same time as the Brewers, the Packers are the team that get bumped over to a 94.5 FM KTI country. You will be able to hear Brewers Baseball on WTMJ. We are going to have extended post-game, at times extended pre-game, uh, after games, before games. So be uh, tuned in all the time as we uh, take you through this Brewers playoff run. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you again next week. In a little bit, but we'll go back to our somewhat normal format next week. But uh, still, this was fun this week. We'll talk to you next week for Brewers Extra the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.